Welcome to Life, Death, and the Law, presented by the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hanson, hosted by attorneys Sean Garner and Adam Hanson. Good morning, Yuma. This is Life, Death, and Law, 560 AM KBLU. I'm attorney Adam Hanson. I'm in the studio today with the one and only Mr. Russ Clark. And then we've got Sean with us today and his lovely, lovely second half, Brittany. She's going to be joining us today as well in the studio, and we'll hear from her. And obviously, she's going to sound much better than we do. And uh, we're coming off of yesterday was Father's Day, so a lot of the theme today is going to be around that subject. We're going to use different quotes, and we're going to talk about different items. But um, uh, I don't know about you, but I think personally, and this is just my personal opinion, don't take it for gospel, but I think that uh, in our world today, I don't think fathers get enough credit for what they are really doing. And I think the media has a really fun time degrading the, the role of a man in the, in the family. And I think a lot of our problems, personally, can be solved with good parenting in the home. With a father in the home and with a mother in the home, I feel like those two things can really make a difference in a family's life. As we've seen over the course of time, uh, that family unit or that structure of what a traditional family looks like has been degraded, and the media is very good about um, telling us what is uh, right and what's wrong, and in reality, it just doesn't sit well with me, and I'm sure it doesn't sit well with you either, especially when you, you have... For example, in our school systems today, things being taught like you can be a, a boy or a girl, it depends on whatever you want, and you get to choose. I don't take my son um, over to uh, you know the the rifle range and say, "Hey, you can do whatever you want with this gun. Go ahead and you know shoot at people, shoot at animals. I don't care. Shoot whatever you want." the The idea that we give children who have not developed their brains. I would argue that I haven't developed my brain at this point in my life enough, and definitely not my kids, judging by their actions every day. And we're, we're going to allow them to choose their gender, um, for example. Um, and that's fresh on my mind because Sean and I, we've been talking about, and we wa- recently watched a documentary by Matt Walsh called What is a Woman? And uh, brings up some issues that really hit home. For us, because of our kids, I have six, and, and Sean and Brittany, they have six as well. And so these issues really come close to home to us because we are in the public school system as well, and we get really concerned about what our kids are being fed on a daily basis. I've been researching and listening to a lot of podcasts and news outlets describing what we can do to aid the ills in society, and more particularly, what's going on with these horrific events with these uh, mass shootings in schools, and do we need to have more gun control? And ultimately, what I found was we don't need more gun control. We don't need any more anything control. What we need is more of fathers in the home, participating in the home, not just present, but emotionally and physically there. Physically there, I found that if I'm there at important events, birthdays, anniversaries, um, their graduations. Some of these things I don't like to go to. Like I'll be honest with you, I don't like to go to these little graduation events. But it's important to the kids, and my wife's pretty darn um, emphatic that I attend these, and so it's important in keeping the peace in the family. But if I'm there, then my child looks up to me as a role model. 
And if I'm out there um, demonstrating self-restraint with certain respects and demonstrating that hard work and perseverance are what create success and happiness, then they're going to try to imitate that. And what we need are people that produce and control themselves and not just continue to strip the instruments of violence away, but allow them to understand everything could be used for good or evil and how to determine the difference between what's right and wrong with the tools that we put at their disposal. Um, I was reading this article recently by Jeffrey R. Holland, and he was quoting this book called Fatherless America. And it was written in 1995, this book, Fatherless America, but he quotes from it. And I think it's super applicable to what we're talking today. It says, in this study, of um, the author of Fatherless America speaks of fatherlessness as the most harmful demographic trend of this generation, the leading cause of damage to children. It is, he is convinced, the most engine driving of our most urgent social problems, from poverty to crime to adolescent pregnancy to child abuse to domestic violence. Among these principal social issues of our time is the fight or flight of fathers from their children's lives. And I would even add that, I mean, because this was written in 1995, I was a freshman in high school at this time, that's a long time ago. Um, now we've got even greater problems with parents confusing their children what to believe as far as their gender and all this. And I just think it's it's kind of scary that we, the protectors of children, that's our job, are a lot of times now confusing children instead of protecting them. And I just, to me, that's something that we need to make sure that we do is protect our children from all the confusion that is in the world. Our job is to create peace and to create um, a place where they can have truth. I'm going to play a little bit here. It's from Matt Walsh. And for those of you that aren't familiar with his work, um, he is a daily commentator. He's a political um, analyst that, well, I don't know if analyst is a correct word for him, but he's, he's a talk show radio host that discusses his points of view. And he's conservative. And he wants to take issues that are relevant in our society today and explore them a little bit more. And one of those issues is, what is a woman? And so he put out this movie that is titled, What is a Woman? Or a documentary. And he goes around the United States and he asks people that are activists for um, transgenderism primarily and uh, just gender fluidity, what is a woman? Can you define that for me? Because if you're fluid, okay, that may be your stance, but what are you trying to be fluid towards or against? Because we have to define this this idea of womanhood. And it's it's a fantastic movie. If you haven't seen it, um, go on and watch it. You can, you can find it on the Daily Wire. That's where um, it, it's primarily hosted, but I think there's probably some other sites that you can find it too. But What is a Woman by Matt Walsh. Um, this, this little segment that I'm going to play is not um, that. It's about his reaction to the shooter in Uvalde, Texas, and um, the lawmakers saying, okay, we gotta control guns, and we got to make sure that people don't have access to these um, weapons of mass destruction. Um, and so he says, no, we need to have more fathers in the home. And let's listen to what he says here. Admit that it'd be better if there was an active, involved, good father in the home. You'd think we could all admit that, but apparently we can't. 
People don't like talking about the problems with the way modern families are often structured because often it means that they're looking critically at their own family structure. And nobody wants to do that. But no matter how, no matter how much we ignore it, the recipe remains the same. Okay? You start with a boy, take away his father, or his father takes himself out of the equation, as is often the case. Uh, you sit him in front of a screen all day. You feed him an endless stream of content. You feed him porn. Give him no moral formation, no guidance, no companionship, uh, no role models, no mentorship. And then when he starts acting weird, you give him drugs, keep him isolated, add a few years into it, and that's how you make a school shooter. That's how you make so many terrible things. It's kind of chilling. You hear that, and that is reality. Um, that's what we're doing. We're, we're taking individuals, and we're letting the fundamental bedrock of society break down, and that is the family unit. And then we're seeing kids act up. And then we say, okay, well, what is the easiest solution to this? Or what is a solution to it? How can we fix it? And if you're a doctor, you fix things by medicine and surgeries. And so parents take their kids to the doctors and they say, okay, we've got medicines and surgeries. We can fix this. And you constantly throw these artificial band-aids on the problem and you expect it to go away. And then when it doesn't go away, you look at changing the laws for society and you say, well, we can make a good society, a good, moral, decent society by having laws that take away any of the instruments that have caused damage. And that's where I see gun laws coming in. I don't feel that gun laws and restricting individuals' abilities to carry and bear arms um, is going to make people less homicidal. I, I think, in fact, what it'll do is it will create a bigger black market for guns. And when there's a bigger black market, there's a greater ease for access to guns. I mean, there's a whole theory behind um, how this individual got access to all the guns and ammunition that he got anyways. Cody, you, you've mentioned to me before the amount that uh, it, it would cost to acquire the weapons that he got. And he got it fairly quickly. What, what were those numbers, if you can chime in here? I mean... I mean, if you look at those uh, rifles, I mean, those were $2,000 rifles and up. I mean, he, he bought quality stuff. I, I don't want to say it that way, but uh, point being was it wasn't cheap stuff. Um, so he, he clearly did research or he knew what he was doing. So I want to play one more part of um, this Matt Walsh interview. And if you want to look up the interview, look up on YouTube, Our Kids Need Fathers, Not Gun Control. And uh, Matt Walsh is, is the individual that, uh, he, he just has such a common sense approach to this, but he's the individual commentator on this. But I'm going to play a bit more about some statistics um, that he came up with about crime in America and how much of it has to do with an, a father not being present in the home. For the iceberg, of course, over 60% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. Over 80% of youths in prison are from fatherless homes. 70% of high school dropouts are from fatherless homes. 70% of kids in drug abuse treatment centers are from fatherless homes. Almost all of the gun violence in our cities, almost all of it 
is committed by young males who are raised without fathers. And we know that because the fatherless home rate in those communities often runs upwards of 80% or higher. The fatherless home epidemic is a verified, legitimate national emergency and should be treated as such. Now, the fatherless factor is just one part of the equation, right? The other part is that nearly all of the kids who fall into these statistics are boys. You know, pretty much every mass shooter in American history, with rare exception, has been a male. 93% of the inmates in federal prison are men. 90% of murders are committed by men. The majority of rapists and child molesters are male. Again, not all, but the majority. Men are three, more, three, three times more likely to kill themselves. Much more likely to drop out of school. Much more likely to end up homeless. Much more likely to, to end up abusing drugs. Now, our culture looks at the picture as I painted it, and, well, they conclude that masculinity is toxic, right? A blight on the earth. And the culture then proceeds to try to fix the, the boy problem the way you fix, like, a dog. It sees that boys are inclined to be aggressive, so the culture wants to force them to be mild. It sees that boys are likely to take dangerous risks, so it encourages boys to take no risks at all. It sees that boys are are wild, you know, so it tames them. It sees that boys are boys, and so it tries to turn them into girls, literally. And that strategy has been a disaster. As we work to try to sort of neuter and feminize boys, all of the problems listed above have only gotten worse. So what can we do about it? The solution brings us back to the beginning. Fathers. Boys need to be taught how to be boys, and they need fathers to teach them that. It's a great point. Fathers, you need to be present at the home. We just experienced Father's Day. We get celebrated for being fathers. So let's do that. Let's be adults. Let's be men and take a responsibility to stay in the home, raise our children, and show them correct models of what it means to be a good, productive member of society. We have to take a break. This is 560 AM, KBLU, Life, Death, and the Law. More thought-provoking conversation coming up next on Life, Death, and the Law, right here after this. you, my Dave Ramsey here. If you listen to our show or know anything about us, then you know I only recommend products and services I trust and I believe in. That's why when it comes to protecting your assets and planning for your loved one's future, you've got to call my friends Sean Garner and Adam Hansen at the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen. I encourage you to take the first step and attend a free, no-pressure seminar and learn all of your options. The firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen has been educating the Yuma community for over 40 years, and this is the only area of law that they practice. Sean and Adam believe in giving free education to help people make smart decisions about their assets and help them leave a legacy for their family that they can be proud of. Schedule a free personal consultation today. Call 783-4575 or visit yumaestateplanning.com. You're listening to Life, Death, and the Law, presented by Deason, Garner, and Hanson, the law firm that has been voted Yuma's best six years in a row. Welcome back to 560 AM KBLU. I'm attorney Adam Hanson. I'm in the studio today with the one and only 
Mr. Attorney Sean Gardner. He's with us today. And then we've got uh, his wonderful wife, Brittany. And um, we've been talking about the subject of fathers because yesterday was Father's Day. And Sean played some clips for us this last segment. And Brittany, you were going to tell us about some of the experiences you've had personally in your life with father figures. Yes, thanks, Adam. Um, I first want to wish my dad, Steve Lundgren, a happy Father's Day. Um, I was blessed to grow up with a dad that was very involved from my sisters and I when we played sports here in Yuma. I was at Cibola. We traveled out of town, you know, several times a week to go to basketball games in Phoenix, and my dad went to every one. And he had a job where he would wake up really early in the morning, but it never seemed to matter. We'd get home after midnight, but he would go up to those games because he didn't want to miss a thing. And I knew for sure that my dad loved me because he would take the time to be something, be it something that was important to me. And he seemed to love it just as much as we did. And I grew up in a family of all girls and my dad was totally supportive. Well, fast forward, Sean and I have four boys and two girls. And um, I can just say the importance of fathers are so important because sometimes I think my husband's a little hard on our boys. He has very high expectations, um, wants him to work really hard. And, but then I see my son, Wesley, who's 17, how hard he can work and all the things he can do. And I know it's because Sean has had these high expectations where if it was just me, I, I know that I wouldn't push him to do some of the things that Sean does. And I just think that balance, they have a soft place to land with mom and then they've got their dad that supports them, but that has really high expectations in that area of growth. And I just, I definitely see how that's, that's the most important thing. You know, Adam, you listen to a lot of podcasts and and, uh, talk radio, and you hear individuals that have played a big role in our society and and the thought process of what it means to be a man or to be a woman, uh, male or female, and and the gender roles in society. And um, also the individuals that uh, created the educational background for these professors that teach that gender is fluid and you found that there's some inconsistencies with what their upbringing was like and what their current experience or their 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 experience at the time they were writing those um, ideas and concepts compared to people that raise good productive traditional families and and there's a big contrast Uh, you have six children and so you live it every day you know that your children need you to be there and your wife is a fantastic provider and a a person that um, assists her children in every way she can but without you there would be a big gap and I see the same thing I've got six kids and my wife 90% of their individual needs at home when they wake up are provided for them by her but there is a gap if, if I weren't there to provide certain aspects of it not only the discipline but also the model of what it looks like to take on responsibility and go to work day in and day out to make sure that they have food and clothes without relying on government assistance and being productive self-reliant human beings then we would have a real problem in our in our society after watching What is a Woman, we've been referencing that uh, video uh, quite a bit this show, 
And um, at the end of that, I was motivated to do some research. I, my, my first thought was, why? What, what is the motivation to push these agendas so hard right now in our society? You look, like, you look at Disney, for example, they've been in the news because of public comments that, they, that were leaked, or excuse me, private comments that were leaked to the public and board meetings where they, they absolutely decreed that they are on a mission to educate us as to what, what our gender roles should be and how we should be uh, defined, meaning they are going to push more of the gay agenda, more of the transgender agendas, and a lot of people responded negatively to that, thinking that the original Walt Disney himself probably would not have promoted that type of uh, a um, departure from what is traditionally known as uh, family values. But yet Disney proceeded and they continue to go down that path. And they're not the only company that I mean, if you were to say something that uh, let's say that I don't agree with an individual choosing to be a female, even though they're born a um, um, biological male and they're choosing their gender as as a female. If I say I don't think that's right at, at an age of 10, 10 years old, especially to go out and get a, an irreversible surgery or to be put on hormone blockers that will cause cancer in the next seven to ten years and that individual if i were to say that or if anybody says that out in public right now you'd probably be lambasted you'd probably be canceled and and so the the question is why how did this even come up how did it come into our culture and, and not just that there's other issues that are being promulgated these social justice issues where do they come from and what's the purpose and ultimately as i did some reflection and i thought really i think it's about the destruction of the family unit but why why do these big big corporations why does the government itself promulgate these ideas what what is their motivation of destroying the family unit and as i thought about that more really it comes down to control and money if you can define or undefine what we've traditionally known as truth meaning a person born as a male is a is a male and a person born as a female is a female if you can say no, you know, it's if you can move the target and say no, they can be whatever they want to be. There really is no definition for what a woman is or what a man is. Yeah, and I think so. Sorry, I just want to cut in here. So, male and female, I don't think is where the arg the crutch of the argument is. I think it's it's man and woman. Is a male a man and is a female a woman? And that's where the argument is that that gender is fluid, although sex may not be. And uh, w we define a woman as very easy. A woman is an adult human female, period. Easy. Uh, In fact, that's what the Webster's Dictionary defines it as. And I, mean, a man, I looked it up yesterday yeah. just to be sure because it, I don't know what the issue is here. And I thought, well, has Webster's actually changed the definition? Are, are these sources that we look to in academia, have they changed the definition? I looked it up yesterday, and that's exactly what it said, is uh, your definition. And I can, I can see how they're blurring the lines between even male and female when they start mutilating genitalia and doing surgeries and hormone blockers and things like that. Then, well, now we don't know. Um, but it, a thousand years from now, if your bones are buried and archaeologists dug you up and, and did some tests, just using the technology that we have today, they could tell 100% positive every chromosome in that body of the person that is buried here is male or female, regardless of how you might have restructured things surgically. In the legal context, this becomes really important because 
Over time, our Supreme Court has protected certain classes of individuals, meaning our Constitution has protections built in for classes of individuals, such as we cannot discriminate against people of the opposite sex or based on sex or based on color of skin. These are issues that have come up and through the Supreme Court over time, and cases have defined uh, these protected classes, one of which is male and female, or in other words, um, your, your gender, based on gender. The word gender itself, as I did some research, really came out of or was promulgated back in the 50s and 60s by a man named John Money. And if you look this guy up, he's a real winner. I mean, he was a pedophile. He, um, I say that because in, in, in academia, he is lauded to be the, the grandfather of transgenderness and of uh, these issues that are going on right now, and he's the one that promulgated these ideas. Well, in reality, it was a huge, a huge uh, bad thing that happened in his studies. He he was found years later after having destroyed many family lives because of him coaching these parents, saying, "Well, it's really your 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 boy, your son is really." Uh, a female or a, a, a girl trapped in a boy's body and so they he, he would suggest well you need to dress him more like a girl and you need to treat him like a girl because that's it's, he's got a girl inside and, and she just wants to get out and so he was basically playing around with the lives of, of these kids well it didn't turn out too well especially in the, a particular case where at the end of that case the two, they were twin boys, one of which was, um, he had a medical issue at birth where... There was circumcision is what happened. Mm -hmm, yep, and, and so because of a botched circumcision, um, issues happened where money got wind of this and he said, well, you need to just treat him as if he was a girl and he'll never know the difference in society. Basically, he was testing a theory that he had. And in reality, he he pushed this theory on this family and they tried to do that. The tragic thing is that both those twins ended up killing themselves because of depression and issues that arose later in life. And it was found that he was fraudulent, Mr. Money or Dr. Money, in, in his conclusions and in the research that he was presenting to the world. But nobody talks about this. Nobody says, oh, well, these transgender agendas actually come from this man and his research, and it was flawed research. Nobody talks about that. It's, it's a lot like Planned Parenthood. It was originally created to limit the growth of, of African-American babies. That's, that, that, that's the origins of Planned Parenthood. And so you look at the origins of these, these organizations to determine whether or not they're good or bad, and that gives you a big insight on how you should treat the information they provide. In reality, Dr. Money was a, really a fraud. He was, he, in my opinion, was a horrible person, a monster, because of the tests that he, he conducted on individuals, children, and children that were innocent that couldn't do it or make choices on their own. Uh, and I feel like, um, you know, if you're going to push these transgender uh, ideas on me and my family, then you ought to know where they came from and understand the research that was done and the mutilation that happened to children over the course of time. Ultimately, why is it being promulgated now? Again, I go back to, I believe it's it's just a, a way to dismantle or throw off balance the family unit. If you can get the family unit to be unsteady then it's a lot easier to hook them on things such as uh, pornography or social media or cell phones. 
These are things that are highly addictive if you let them into your life and, and be that way. And why would why would a government want to do that? Why would a big corporation want to do that? Well, and of course, this is my opinion. It's all about the money. The former Rush Limbaugh uh, used to say, you follow the money, and that's really what it is. I think it's money and control. So politically, if you can get control of individuals through social media means, um, addictions through pornography, you're destabilizing de, uh, that individual, and they're more likely to grab on the propaganda that you propose, whether that's through a corporation, through ads that you see, through these apps, or through um, uh, specific targeting of you because of your information being out there on websites that you cruise, or it's the government trying to destabilize your ideas. And so when they say, well, just trust us, we're the government, we know, and this is truth, uh, then it's a lot easier for an individual that's been destabilized to grab onto those ideas and support them, to, do uh, to become a donor of that particular political candidate, for example, or to really push their agenda and, and tell others about um, how they've been converted to that particular idea set. So it's all about the destabilization of our family units. So and what and is th that, that? That's something, and I hate to break your, your thought process here, but that's something that really helps answer a lot of questions that I had. Why is the democratic movement so, so um, enamored in this transgender, bisexual, um, gay, lesbian community? Why? why? Why adopt them as their champion group to push forward in, in these marching up to the political elections or these elections that are coming up. And um, you just answered it right there. Because if you can destabilize a family, then you destroy the bedrock of what makes pers a person individually successful on his own right. And if you can do that, then you make that individual more reliant on the government, and therefore the people in government have more power. Absolutely, and as you put it, put it that way, I kind of have an epiphany as well, Sean. And that's really what it's about. As you talk that through, I'm thinking to myself, that's exactly right. That is what is happening to us right now. A, a government doesn't want a person to have convictions or morals because if you have those morals and standards, it's more likely that you're going to oppose things that you propose to me that I know to be cor incorrect. When you tell me that a boy can be a girl, and I in my deep core, because of my religious beliefs, because of my, my uh, daily prayers with God, and because of my worship on Sundays. And, your, and just your conscience. And, and my and, conscience. And the spirit that is within you. I know, and I hold those to be my affirmative convictions, that what you're telling me is incorrect. That is not truth. And if you keep telling me that, then I'm going to take action against you. But if you can if you can get these people that don't have a base like that or you can start to rock that base or they don't really know and they're going to trust the science or they're going to trust a government entity to tell them what truth is and hope for the best then you're not going to be in good on good footing that's going to be rocky it's going to be um, you know jarring and most likely you're more susceptible to follow the crowd or, or be like a sheep when presented with an actual attitude or a, a an idea that is actually contrary to what you know to be true reality we have to take a break this is 560 a.m kblu life death and the law have a question? Our phone lines are open. Call 344-5258. That's 344-KBLU. 
Hey, you, my Dave Ramsey here. If you listen to our show or know anything about us, then you know I only recommend products and services I trust and I believe in. That's why when it comes to protecting your assets and planning for your loved one's future, you've got to call my friends Sean Garner and Adam Hansen at the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen. I encourage you to take the first step and attend a free, no-pressure seminar and learn all of your options. The firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen has been educating the Yuma community for over 40 years, and this is the only area of law that they practice. Sean and Adam believe in giving free education to help people make smart decisions about their assets and help them leave a legacy for their family that they can be proud of. Schedule a free personal consultation today. Call 783-4575 or visit yumaestateplanning.com. You are listening to Life, Death, and the Law, presented by Deason, Garner, and Hanson, the law firm that has been voted Yuma's best six years in a row. Welcome back, Yuma. This is Life, Death, and the Law. I am Sean Garner. I'm an attorney with Deason, Garner, and Hanson. I'm in studio here with my beautiful wife, and it uh, was our anniversary last week. Uh, we celebrated 21 years of being married and raising children and enjoying the American dream. And she's in studio here just to um, keep me on cue and make sure that what I say is accurate when I'm talking about what a, a successful father is because I'm still um, aspiring to that role. We have Adam Hansen in the studio as well, and he's also a father of six. And we're talking about the importance of fatherhood in the success of our society. And when I say success, I define success by people that are well-rounded, self-reliant, that you can entrust them with anything from creating human life to running the government to handling uh, arms to defend themselves and their family and their rights as American citizen instead of taking all of those things away and uh, trying to conform an individual to the ever-changing standards that society invents on a daily basis. Um, I want to play a clip from D. Todd Christofferson. He is a prominent church leader in uh, a worldwide church organization. It's the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He was also, before um, becoming just a, a church leader, he was an attorney. He graduated from Duke University. He uh, clerked for Judge John Sirica, who was a U.S. District Court judge and presided over much of the legal proceedings that uh, stemmed from Watergate. And so he had a long industrial, industrious uh, legal background, but then he took this and he dedicated his life to helping people understand um, the importance of implementing God and morality into your life. And so here's a brief excerpt from one of his talks. We believe in the ideal of the man who puts his family first. We believe that by divine design, fathers are to preside over their families in love and righteousness and are responsible to provide the necessities of life and protection for their families. We believe that in their complementary family duties, fathers and mothers are obligated to help one another as equal partners. We believe that far from being superfluous, 
Fathers are unique and irreplaceable. Some see the good in fatherhood in social terms as something that obligates men to their offspring, impelling them to be good citizens and to think about the needs of others, supplementing maternal investment in children with paternal investment in children. In short, the key for men is to be fathers. The key for children is to have fathers. And the key for society is to create fathers. I, I couldn't put it more eloquently or accurately, and that's why I'm not in the position he is in. But um, I believe it wholeheartedly, what he said. Um, Sean, I have a question for you and Adam. So I feel like the three of us um, probably know based on what we've been taught through um, through church and through study, that the family keeping it um, protected is what would really help our society. So we're seeing a lot of confusion out there. And I wonder, like, obviously we're trying to teach our children what is right. And I know Adam and Jessica are doing the same thing. But what about everyone else out there that doesn't necessarily have this foundation of truth that I feel like we all have? How do we how do we help them? I mean, because it's hard to even talk about it because we've talked about like it. If you have these views that you know mm -hmm. there should be a mother and a father and children in the home, and that's the best thing that, that you looked at as a bigot or as a dinosaur. We heard um, one person comment on that documentary we watched in having that view. So, so I want to hear your guys' opinion. What's kind of the solution? We all see the problem. I. That's a great question. So the first thing that came to mind was. Uh, for me, we need we need fathers. We need fathers in the home, and not just fathers. To me, when I say father, I, I'm trying to think of a definition. And as I scribbled down in my notes, I wrote, uh, "A father is a male, an adult male human, that is married uh, to his wife, and that is courageous. Courageous in the face of things that he knows to be incorrect, that are." Uh, detrimental to his particular family and so we need fathers to be courageous and we need them to be loyal loyal to who they are and loyal to their wives yeah it's being a father is not as um, I'm trying to find the word for it glamorous as it might be portrayed in in some of these movies that we see where the father you know is is out there grabbing his young children in his arms and and clearing the path out of a burning home and and making sure his family's protected in that sense um, it's it's the day-to-day -day grind it's doing what's right when nobody's looking and that means steering away from things that are going to detract from loyalty to your spouse and to your children those things that detract are um, extramarital affairs those things that detract are abuse of drugs those things that detract are even um, overindulgent in hobbies that um, take away from your time with your family it's, it's important and healthy to have hobbies it's necessary to be away from your family to provide a living but uh, you need to balance that out and the correct balance has to be through uh, inspiration that you get from God so you actually have to implement God into your life in order to have any hope of success as a father 
I think as we, you mentioned the word protection, I think that's the primary role of a father, is you protect your family. And as you hear that word, my first inclination is, well, with a gun, right? If somebody's <laughs> going to come into my house, I'm going to protect my house and my family. But in reality, in the, in the times that we live now, uh, it takes a, a real man to have convictions grounded in truth, and a man is one that is courageous and loyal enough to protect those truths for his family. So when his kids come home from school being taught a particular dogma that he knows to be incorrect, it's his obligation and responsibility to correct that and to say that we love other people, but we don't love their choices. And that's what a true father is, and that's what a man is, is a courageous, loyal individual that, that is uh, willing to sacrifice for what he knows to be true and right for his particular family. Adam, I totally agree with that. I think that when you were saying they got to protect him with a gun, I was actually thinking, you know, like, we're more likely in our homes to not have somebody bust into our home that we need to protect with a gun. I'm not saying you shouldn't have one there, but the father is it's almost even it's more likely that they're gonna have to protect him from from um false notions they're taught at school or from people that they heard or from like you're talking about um pornography or just things that are on television just like you're even talking about disney i mean they have a whole um section on on pride month on um disney plus and i don't know about your kids but my kids will get on and watch things and i'm not you know it's like oh you're on disney you're just gonna pick something to watch um but it's even protecting them from that. You have to watch everything. Um, Sean and I were talking um, about our different parenting styles, and uh, Sean is not the best at uh, like birthdays, anniversaries. I mean, he recognizes it, him. He remembers like, him. I'm horrible at it. No, he remembers them. You're fine, but like that's not his key role. Holidays, he likes there, but um, he likes them, but not necessarily. I would say his strong point. But where he shows up every day, and you know, like I think an absentee father could have really awesome birthday presents and and maybe really like spoil a kid on holidays. But what Sean does do that I think is way more important than that is shows up every day. He's there every day. I mean, he taught our youngest to ride his bike a few weeks ago, and I was not home when they did that, and I got home, and my son was so excited. Seeing that excitement because he learned a new skill was impressive to me he shows up every day he's there he shows them that he goes to work every day never complains and he provides for all of us and i talk about it when my kids have responsibilities or ask him to do something around the house sometimes they'll look at me like well i didn't do it i'm like well we're part of a team and we all do it i'm like you know your dad's only one eighth of this family but he provides for all of us i mean he doesn't necessarily buy you know use the toys that you guys use so i think that a real dad will be there every day and he's going to show up every day and he's going to be that support to their kids protect them whether it's with a gun or just protecting their home so that it's a safe place i just think that that's so important thank you um i want to play a clip of again this is d todd christopherson he's one of my heroes because he really implements concepts of fatherhood into everyday situations and um here's a clip from him in, in another speech my brothers and I were boys, our mother had radical cancer surgery. She came very close to death. Much of the tissue in her neck and shoulder had to be removed, and for a very long time it was difficult, painful for her to use her right arm. 
One morning, about a year after the surgery, my father took mother to an appliance store and asked the manager to show her how to use a machine he had for ironing clothes. The machine was called an iron right. It was operated from a chair by pressing pedals with one's knees to lower a padded roller against a heated metal surface and turn the roller, feeding in shirts, pants, dresses, and other articles. You can see that this would make ironing, of which there was a great deal in our family of five boys, much easier, especially for a woman with limited use of her arm. Mother was shocked when Dad told the manager they would buy the machine and then paid cash for it. Despite my father's good income as a veterinarian, mother's surgery and medications had left them in a difficult financial situation. On the way home, my mother was upset. How can we afford it? Where did the money come from? How will we get along now? Finally, Dad told her that he had gone without lunches for nearly a year to save enough money. Now when you iron, he said, you won't have to stop and go into the bedroom and cry until the pain in your arm stops. She didn't know he knew about that. I was not aware of my father's sacrifice and active love for my mother at the time, but now that I know, I say to myself, there is a man. Thank you, Sean and Adam, for having me on today. Um, I think that clip describes exactly what we need. We need men that are willing to make sacrifices for their family, that they'll stay there. And I feel lucky to see that example in Sean and Adam and my father and Sean's father who passed away a long time ago. And I just challenge all the men that are listening to this to to be that man, to be the man that sacrifices for his family and and protects it. And I think that we'll all be a better better off for that. Thank you, Brent, and thanks for coming on the show today. That's all the time that we have. This is 560 AM KBLU Life, Death, and the Law. If you have questions or want to know more about something that was discussed today, please call the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hanson at 928-783-4575 or visit yumaestateplanning.com.